0: The Royals are more than halfway through the 162-game schedule, and All-Star Week is approaching. Typically, that's a time to begin seeing some roster movement from baseball teams that aren't in contention, and the Royals are quickly sinking in the AL Central. So, what direction do the Royals take to get the most from the second half of the season? We discussed that on Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast, with Beat Writer Lynnworthy and columnist Vahe Gregorian. It's Tuesday, July 6th, and I'm Blair Kirchhoff. The program started as a Sports Beat Live, and we had plenty of comments and questions. So let's get started. Good morning from sunny Kansas City. Welcome to Sports Beat Live, our weekly conversation about the Royals with those in the media who know them best and with you. Please send us your questions and comments, and we'll talk royals with you as well. Today we have columnist Vahe Gregorian. What's up, Vahe?
1: Good to be seen. Good
2: to see you.
0: Lynn Worthy is here, beat writer. Hey, Lynn.
2: Hey, what's up?
0: Good to see you. Sam Mellinger decided not to join us today, but that's so Sam. That is so Sam. Now he's on vacation. We'll, uh, we'll catch up with Sam again next week. Hey, before we get started, big shout out to our sponsors, the University of Kansas Health System. You will hear from them later in the show. So I said that... Uh, you know, we, we want to hear from you, and we've already heard from many of you so far, and you're not happy. <laughs> and Steve, Doug, Todd, we, we hear you. We hear you. We're going to talk about uh, – got a lot of things to talk about today, a lot to catch up on. Um, let's, I had to write it down because I, I had lost track of the, of the streaks. Uh, but after ending the nine-game nine losing streak uh, against the Twins on, on Friday night, the Royals have now lost two in a row, 11 of 13, 23 of 29, and they were 14 games under 500, and I believe in last place in the American League Central. I think uh, they're back in last after climbing out of last place in those two two wins over the Twins, um, and of course uh, they had that 15-1 loss to the Red Sox last week as well. So, but there is some there is some news, um, positive news. Andrew Benintendi is back, and Lynn, you, you talked to Benintendi uh, on on Monday before the Reds game. He'd been out since I want to say June 13th with the with the fractured rib. Came back a little sooner than I thought. What did what did he tell you?
2: Yeah, he said that he actually was feeling better um, sooner than he expected. Um, so I was talking to him yesterday after batting practice. Yesterday he didn't play. It was a scheduled day off. Mike Matheny said that the plan all along was going to be he's going to play a day and then have a day off and then they were going to see how he felt and make sure that everything was okay and reassess from there um, but I talked to him after batting practice and he was he, he was good to go he was talking about you know he felt great um soreness was gone uh he talked about just you know the injury had been something that he had been feeling for maybe as much as two weeks before he actually went on the I.L. it just got to the point where breathing coughing sneezing like he it, it was in pain just doing all those things and I mean you know breathing pretty important so I, I would think you know pain <laughs> breathing is not something that you really want to play through um, and so it got to the point that they you know he had to call the trainers and let them know what was going on that's where the IL stint went but um, he started feeling pretty good he said you know and I think Mike Matheny had said before that he was starting to lobby him before they you know came back from that road trip to get back on the field Um but i asked benny about that because you know that trip ended in boston his whole his old right. team and i said was that you know something you were shooting for he said no not really He said i wasn't going to do anything stupid like i was going to listen to the medical staff and everything but he was feeling better sooner than he expected
0: i didn't realize uh until i think i read it in your story that he, the, the the royals had used five different left fielders in his spot five different guys had started in left field you know usual suspects like Merrifield and, and uh, O'Hearn had started in the left, and uh, Olivares had started there. Dyson had Dyson. started a game. Dozier, uh, I think. Dozier. yeah, I mean, <clears throat> it's just it just shows a, a little bit about the fragility of this team that they have one of their starters go down, and they've they've got to mix and match and put all you know. Because now there's a domino effect, right, with other positions, and uh, we, we've seen it in right field, left field, kind of everywhere. Really, with this first base, uh, a, a lot going on. Okay, a couple other things uh, before we get to the the main topic, which will um, <laughs> uh, which will address <laughs> the concerns of of many of you. Uh, looks like Scott Scott Barlow is now the closer. Um, uh, did, were they so soured on Greg Holland's performance when he blew that save in New York in Game Two of that series that um, it's it's just been sort of a, uh, a little bit of a revolving door at closer anyway,
2: right? Yeah, I mean, I was laughing a little bit when you said that just because since the beginning of the season, that, that idea of closer is a, it's just not you – like know, there's not going to be a designated closer. And I've said that since the beginning of the season. It's something Mike Matheny has said going back to his first year last year. Like, there's, if you're looking for one guy that's going to be the closer, even if you say right now Scott Barlow is the closer – well i would not be surprised at all if tonight when it comes down to it you see barlow in you know a different role and then somebody else is called on at the end of the game so it's there's not going to be a set guy it's just not you know the way that they feel like this bullpen is set up even last year i mean they sort of settled into where rosenthal was that guy when he was still on the roster but there was days that you know he didn't close games they went to holland so it's just they don't feel like they have that i mean Probably if Stawmon was a hundred percent healthy and you know doing what he had done in the past. He'd probably be that guy. And we saw where it looked like he was the closer at one point. And I started getting that question from people: "Oh, is he the closer now?" And I, said, there is no closer. <laughs> you know, I mean, I think one point early in the season when they were you know actually playing really well and winning games, and I think Salvi had like two walk offs in like a week. I was like, Salvy's your closer. That's <laughs> 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 so. Um, but yeah, I don't. There's not going to be a guy. But Barlow, I mean. He's as consistently, you know, um, efficient and as good as you know, they've gotten that bullpen guy who, you know, I think Witt was just tweeting yesterday about how he should have been an all-star.
1: What What do you think they lose or, or do or don't miss uh, by not having a guy that can actually just sort of declare that way? What What, what is the material difference in it?
2: I don't know if there is one, um, to be honest. I think the, the way that they had gone with the sort of the high leverage thing where it's like, okay, you know, I mean, I guess if you if you had a stacked you know like they had you know the hdh or something like that then sure you know you settle guys in the roles and guys get comfortable they know they're going to pitch around a certain time they know them to get ready and and everybody's sort of comfortable and it's sort of a rhythm to it but um i think the high leverage thing it it makes sense because it's you know if the innings that's most important are the sixth or seventh And you blow it then, then you're not bringing in the closer anyway in the night, right. so what is it, you know, oh, but he's the closer. So yeah, he's sitting on the bench, you know, watching the end of the game, and you guys yeah. lose by five. So, I mean, let's that that's, but um, they just don't have that sort of a stacked group like you had back in the day to warrant that being the case.
0: Well, and one problem that's affected the development of the bullpen is the ineffectiveness of the starters as well. Until the last couple of days where... Keller went into the seventh inning Sunday and Miner went into the seventh inning last night. Um, <clears throat> you've got guys you know, going you know, out in the third, fourth innings. So now you're using five guys out of the bullpen and really you know, d- making things difficult, I think, for Mike Matheny and, and, and bullpen choices. What was
1: that? I think the stat it was a month of June stat where they, they a lot had of a few... St- a lot of good stats. It's <laughs> a lot to, to work June. with, yeah. but it was something, you know, just completely affirming your point I mean I think it was the fewest amount of started innings if that's the right term uh, in, in the American League or certainly among the fewest
2: that sounds yeah. about right yeah especially since you've got some openers going there and then you had yeah yeah and June was all, was obviously like you know you had some co starts in there where he went you know two starts that right. together I think were two innings uh, in length and so I mean when you put openers you put starters who don't Duffy get out was of the hurt, first you it. get Duffy and then his you know even it's the the comeback yeah, yeah. the comeback yeah the comeback starts where he's only going two three innings so yeah that, um and all those innings get covered by the bullpen so i mean if if a guy only goes two innings that means the bullpen's covering seven and so everybody's like oh well, why can't they use this guy and that guy's like well they only have so many guys in the bullpen so i mean it's not as though they've got i mean even the guys who you know can give you multiple innings they can't do it every day like you can't you, you, urban santana cannot throw <laughs> three innings every other day it's not going to work so yeah yeah um
0: it's funny when i see urban santana out there i know a the royals are behind and usually it's about the fourth or fifth inning although he was in last night later in the game um, so um you know next week is all-star weekend and um uh, Merrifield did tweet about Barlow, if, if there was a second Royal to be named to the All-Star team, Barlow would have been as decent a candidate as as anybody's Royals Pitcher of the Month for May and June. I don't know what that says, um, but, but he was. And I, I think a light case could have been made for Merrifield or um, maybe even Duffy if it hadn't been for the injury. But I, the, the, the Royals didn't really deserve a second player on the All-Star team, do you, do you think?
1: I, not, not uh sort of for the broader body of work, like sometimes you have that feeling like the you know the broader body of work just deserves a second, but um yeah. certainly that, that doesn't uh hold up and i I think you laid out the people that you would think of it's too I really feel bad for Danny because I think Danny was on track to that possibility until he got hurt. I, maybe it wouldn't have worked out, but his numbers were pretty good and it still um, are I mean for they limited- still are, but it's just it's just a limited subset. I don't know Linda do you think something more or different
2: um it would have been interesting if benintendi had stayed healthy yeah. i don't think he necessarily would have made it just because in the outfield there's so many guys and you, you look at the outfield all as just one big group and there's going to be a lot of power numbers that come into the that category too um but and you know and obviously that's not quite his game but it would have been interesting to see like if he you know that last month that he was healthy he was hitting like uh th- over 300 and you know, his on-base was ridiculous. And so like if he had done that for a whole other month, you know, because he missed 18 games and at the end, like I say, he was playing through a little bit of something. So, I mean, if he had been healthy that whole time, it might have been a case. Again, if the team's record is what it is, I don't think it would have been that strong a case. And, then, again, the outfield's a big group of, uh, you know, you get some sluggers out there.
0: He had a couple of oppo home runs, too, um, you know, during this hot streak, which I thought he's really on the ball when he's yeah. was- He's going opposite way with power, and uh, was impressive when you, and, until he got hurt out, yeah. of, out in Oakland. So, uh, so the All Star games on uh, you know, on the horizon, and it's going to include Salvador Perez not only as the starting catcher, but in the home run derby. That that'll be fun. At least we give Royals fans something to watch on. I think it's Monday night, right? The the, the home run derby. I think. Think out, so. Out yeah. of Coors Field, so fun place to to have a home run derby as well. Uh, he he was. We found out Friday he was going to be in it. First time for him and only the fourth Royal ever to participate in the Home Run Derby. Uh, This was before you got here, Vahe, a year before you got here. But Billy Butler was on his way to becoming a member of the Home Run Derby lineup until Captain Robinson Cano uh, decided not to select Billy Butler. and um, Kansas City fans being... What they are booed the hell out of so you know, during during the uh, uh, the home run derby. He was fouling bitches back. Anyway, we, we might be able to talk about that next week during, during the All-Star Week, but it was funny. But the bigger point, and I think the more important point about All-Star Weekend, is not the the home, the home run derby is going to be fun, Salvi's starting in the All-Star game, but it's the Futures game. And the Royals going to have two players in the Futures game, uh, Bobby Wood Jr. and, and uh, Nick Prado. So that'll be fun um and i don't know lynn seems like we we do talk about this a lot but um uh, i don't know if we'll see them in royals uniforms this year but we're going to see him in storm chasers uniforms aren't we
2: i would say so definitely uh, i'm just not sure what the timing was or is going to be but i mean you'd think after the futures game i'm i would assume they'd also be in line you know uh, i'm not sure how the double-a all-star setup is going to work this year because the minor leagues are reorganized but. I know that in the past, I'd seen minor league organizations, not necessarily the Royals, but where they would let guys stay in the spot for the first half of the year, get some of the accolades, do some of the adjustments, all that sort of stuff, and then after that All-Star game, you start to see guys in late June, July, of course, that would be the typical schedule. This is also a year where they didn't start playing games until later. Um, but you 'd see those guys start to move up to the next level, and then that group below them move up to that level so i wouldn 't be surprised if you saw something like that and you start seeing those guys get up to triple a get their feet with there and whether or not you still see the september crawl up i mean i think it 's still in play um, but I would expect they 're going to be in triple a i mean they 're you know I think I made the joke before with Vahe, the you know that double a murderers row you got to... <laughs> At some point, some of those guys are going to have to move, you know? I mean, yeah. I think, uh, I'm not sure what, what coaching tips you gave him when you went out there in Arkansas, but... Well, I, I, I can safely say I learned
1: more from Bobby Witt than he learned from me. <laughs> <laughs> and if you've used this line that I use from him about uh, you're either winning or you're learning. I, I, I think about that all the time when I'm maybe not winning. <laughs> <laughs> <And> <laughs> but what you're, learning. <laughs> <What> you're learning. <laughs> Let's
0: just say I think about that all the
1: time. <laughs> hey, speaking of one other thing with this, and I don't think... Dayton did speak to it uh, Friday, but I, I I wasn't there. But you know, all along he has sort of alluded to June 30th as being, you know, at the end of June we'll we'll maybe reevaluate. Sort of specific to the context of wit, but I assume that involves Nick Prado too. At this point, like, I would it would be my thought that it might be more somewhat imminent that they might be on the way to Omaha. But I I I don't know. I mean, I just don't think it's been. Um, restated in the last few weeks but that would be my hunch. Well, maybe
0: it's like Lynn said, right after the Futures game and and then figure out what's going on with the AA All-Star All-Star game, which I don't know. uh, But yeah, we we are definitely going to see them in in AA and who knows what happens in September, right? I mean, um, that's the next that would be the next uh, interesting date. Okay, let's take a break here. Uh, Let's hear from our sponsored University of Kansas Health System and when we come back, we'll address these questions and I want to talk to Lynn and Vahe about uh, what the Royals should do in the second half of the season.
1: The Kansas City Royals lineup
0: is backed up by the region's strongest team in healthcare, the University of Kansas Health System. We both suit up with one goal in mind. To win The University of Kansas Health System, official health care provider of the Royals. Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners, unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Stars award-winning sports coverage. Please visit KansasCity.com slash sportsbeatkc offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. Okay, we're back with uh, Lynn Worthy and Vahe Gregorian. We're talking Royals. They on uh, was it Friday? I, one day in the during the Twin Series, they played their eighty first and eighty second game, which is the halfway point of uh, and, and starting of the second half of the season. And, you know, feelings have changed about the team throughout, uh, through each month, right? They're in first place at the end of April, and then May and June uh, have fallen into last place. So I think we're beyond the idea of them being a playoff team in 2021. I know I'm, I'm, I'm stating the obvious, but uh, if, if assuming that's the case, what should the Royals do in the second half of, of 2021, um, assuming changes are coming, and young players are, are going to be? Um, uh, at what point does 2022 become something of, or 2021 become an audition for 2022, um, and what? And if it is, what positions are we really looking at, and what players might we be looking at as? Um, uh, for, for next season,
2: Lynn, I'll, I'll start with you. What, what do you think? I'm not sure if audition is the is the way I'd look at. Audition is probably the wrong word. Yeah. But, but well, just I mean, I guess
0: getting major league prep.
2: For yeah. Me. Yeah, I, I think the way I would think of it is more of um, you know guys getting, you know, continuing that I guess the the phrase that you know you hear the Royals use is transition into the major leagues um, because even if the guys, guys that they'll likely see the second half or you'd think you'd see in the second half, I don't know that what you see in that second half is going to be the finished product of those guys. And it's it's really going to be more getting them geared towards next year, or getting them, you know, the innings, the reps, the getting them comfortable for when they do need them to be at their best. Um, and I just don't know if you're going to see guys at their best even at the end of the season, you know, because if you bring up I mean, I don't think it's, it's gonna happen, but if you bring up Bobby Witt on, say, July 1st, say he's in the major leagues, like, okay. Even if you did that, what, what you see of Bobby Witt for the last couple of months isn't necessarily what Bobby's gonna be. And maybe, maybe, but I don't, I don't think it is. I mean, you, you go around and you look at, say, a guy like, um, Seattle had Jared Kalinick. He was a guy that was uh, a big name, and he was sort of the poster child for, her. they're holding him in the minors to manipulate his service time. And then he came up, and they ended up sending them back down because he just struggled. Now, nobody's saying, okay, he's, he's done, he's not going to be anything. He's still one of the best prospects in baseball. He's still, you know, viewed as a rising star. It's just going to be, you know, it's going to take more time or he's going to have to make some adjustments and come back up and reacclimate. And so what you saw that first time he came up wasn't, at least in theory, what you're going to see of Jared Kalinick. So whether that's Bobby, whether that's some of these pitchers, I mean, I think of the example, I know the Royals have used the number, like it takes, uh, I think Ned and Dayton have used this before. Um, You guys probably remember what they say. Usually it takes almost two years for the guy to be a full big leaguer. And I was thinking about that just because I'm looking at like Nicky Lopez, who he had about a full season's worth of games at the end of last year. Because of the shortened season, and when he came up the year before, and now you're starting to see the guy that people sort of thought he was—not that he's an all-star. I mean, he's a—he's a really good, you know, player all around. He can contribute offensively. We've seen him do different things. Um, he's playing out of position defensively, but he was a Gold Glove caliber second baseman. Um, but that's you no—he know, came up in 19, and you're just right. now getting to that. So I think this—the second half of the season, whether it's the pitchers, whether it's position players, it's going to be it's not going to be like okay we're going to find out who's going to what they're going to look like going forward it's really just going to be the acclimation to the big league so i think that's something that people have to keep in mind
1: i think just attached to that it, it's kind of a, a it's a really interesting question if you accept the i like that argument too it's going to take you 2 years to 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 be there but that's of course if you're going to be a big league player like if it's going to work um, and i do wonder what the threshold is especially in this situation for how much failure at the big league level is more worthwhile than, than you know success at the minor league level? I mean, I don't know I, it's not like a one or the other proposition, but I do think that's part of the question of growing pains and when you get them and where, where it, where it suits, suits your future. Um, and I think that sort of is in our minds with some of the pitchers after what happened when they came up, and I, 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 are they will they be better off? In 2022 and 2023 for, you know, more time here and even and and with some struggles right away. I I, I think you toss the coin in my mind, though, at a certain point, one of the things the Royals have struggled with. And we've talked about a little bit, but I'd be really interested to hear what you guys say about it again now is guys that seem ready at AAA aren't quite ready here. What's what's the what's the gap? What what is it? And every case is different. But is there some pattern there, um, or is it just what what we see in all development, um, majorly based? Well,
0: in, in the case of you know, you know Lynch and Coar, a couple different things, right? In Lynch, they thought he was tipping the pitches. Go back to Omaha and, and work that out. Coar, to me, is the bigger was the bigger mystery of the two. Um, there there wasn't anything specific like that to to pin it on, and. I think of the of, of the class of 18 pitchers th- he was the one who I believed would be most ready when he came that doesn't mean he was going to have instant success but to see him constantly miss high in the strike zone and not be able to make that adjustment uh, the you know sitting in the press box and watching it or watching it on TV it's one thing to yell and just why aren't you doing this? Why, why yeah, right, is the, you know right. it obviously wasn't happening to you in Omaha? Why is it happening in Kansas City? And I I didn't I never I, I don't know why I, I don't know why and I'm sure maybe he doesn't know why and but but Coar went back to Omaha and he's getting knocked around a little bit in Omaha too. Um, so I, I don't know what the easy answer is, but I do believe that in a lost season and you talked about manipulating service time. The Royals don't seem to play that game much. If they, if they think the, the, they're better served by having somebody come up and, and, and play Major League Baseball and take his, take, take his lumps and learn, they'll, they'll do that and say, darn the service time. So I think we're going to see Coar and Lynch back in the Royals' uh, uniform and ma- making starts maybe, as, maybe in September. Um, the, the ones that I'm more interested in, though, the futures of like Jorge Soler and Gerard Dyson. Um, what, what do we, do you, I think it's a, we're more than halfway through the season now and Jorge Soler is not, he's not hitting. He got the double last night, but he, when's the last time he hit a home run? I mean, this guy, it's just, it's a, it seems to be a lost cause with him. So what do you, Lynn, what do you think about Soler? What are the futures of Soler and Dyson here?
2: Well, they're both, I mean, I guess when you say future, I mean, I guess how,
0: Limited, <laughs> I guess, would be the first. Well, I was
2: going to say, how far are you look at looking? Because I mean, well, they could both be gone at the end of the season. So, I mean, like, that's... I mean, I don't think that... I wouldn't look past this season because there's nothing guaranteed for either one of them after this season. And I had always sort of thought that Solaire probably, you know, was gone after this season. And I maybe thought that he'd be a guy who'd be a trade candidate when he, you know, assuming that he was going to give some production this year. I don't, I don't know that now that there's right. really any, any way to move him. But, um... Yeah, he seemed like sort of that prototypical, you know, the guy that they move at the deadline to get something before, you get something for him before he hits free agency. But I don't know that you're getting anything for him now. So, um, and also, I just, um, I think I s I'd started to, I think it was last week, I'd started to go down this road and just sort of got lost. But I think the DH spot also, like when I think about Soler, I feel like having a DH spot that you can move around suits the Royals more anyway, especially when you're gonna have, you know, like, Salvi's still played every game this year between DH and catcher, and they've needed that bat in there. And I think if you have that DH spot that you can move around, whether that means Salvi DH in some, whether that means Carlos Santana DH in some, and if that means you're putting Dozier at first or, you know, uh, Santana's still in the contract next year, if that means somebody like Prado forces his hand, forces their hand and, you know, you need another spot for him um playing first base or or you know santana playing first base and dh and moving somebody like o'hearn so i feel like that dh moving around is going to be uh something that really would help them mm-hmm. um and obviously solaire has played some outfield but you know that's i mean they've got better options as far as defensively in the outfield and you see that when they pull them out of the games late in the game um so uh i just don't know what that looks like at the end of this season, in terms of if they're not playing him to play younger guys, if, if you get to that point in the season, or if um, I don't know that they would just cut him loose, but um, I'm just not sure what that's going to look like because I feel like there might be a point where you have, you know, depending on what's going on at A, if that means, you know, you got to take more of a look at, you know, Everett Oliveras, you got to take more of a look at Kyle Isbell. I mean, I'm not, you know, there's plenty of guys that down in triple a or who are on the 40-man roster right now that maybe you need to find out more about late in the season um and at that point i'm not sure what that means for solaire that just means that he's sitting on the bench or if they come to some other decision with him
0: he pinch hit on uh on sunday struck out to end the game but he was on the bench on on sunday because it was a salvi dh day and um uh, so yeah Oliveris is an interesting guy too i mean guys he's been four times <laughs> you know Option back to Omaha in in the month of June, I think he I think we're going to see him a more steady presence of him in the second half of the season. Just a guess, just a guess. Um, and Ryan O'Hearn in right field has been interesting to me. He's only played he's played um, he's been playing right field in Omaha. He'd only played one major league game in right field up until Sunday and. He was the right fielder on. And Sunday. I think you said
1: on Sunday that the other time he hit, didn't have any balls hit to him. Right. <laughs> <laughs> on Sunday that, that the one play in particular really stood out, the, the diving catch in front of him.
0: Really really nice job. Yeah. He, and he went back for another and one then, uh, on, yeah, on, good, on the warning track, made a really nice jump catch. On it. Yeah, so yeah. At least in those two instances he looked like he could play that position and they want to take advantage of a guy's bat was he was it was hot enough that he was the uh the Triple A East player of the month. And, and then he comes back and, and, uh, and he hits the home runs in New York and shows power. And, and uh, so I, I think they want to give him a long look in the outfield too. And maybe he's, uh, you know, a year ahead of, using your example of, of uh, Nicky Lopez, which I thought was really good, right, um, that, you know, maybe it's, it's time for Ryan O'Hearn to be the, you know, to, to be a, you know, a, a regular 25-man roster guy, or at least think about him in those terms.
2: It might be. It's just going to be a question of, you know, the guys who are coming behind that yeah, and yeah. what that roster is going to look like, How you're what you're doing with some of these, you know, whether it's Oliveras or, um, you know, Isbell, or when Prado comes knocking on the door and, you know, you still have Santana under contract. And so, like, that's the, um, you know, I think the last part of the season might be just trying to find some of those questions out. Um and maybe that's you know um the last part of the season i, I you mentioned Oliveras, and i'm just still wondering you know like you said maybe we see him more regularly um and i'm probably just going to cause trouble by mentioning this but i'm thinking <laughs> if mondesi is healthy and on the field then i don't know whether or not you have uh a whole lot of Oliveras regularly because maybe that means you have that Nicky mondi up the middle and then maybe you're playing witten outfield and then yeah. you have then you have like a steady outfield because you'd have Benny, Witt, and Taylor. Um, again, I don't, I mean, this is a whole lot of supposing, and this is a whole lot of, you know. Um,
0: With Dyson as
2: your fourth
0: outfielder. And yeah,
2: well, I mean, you you could have multiple guys who are probably in that outfield mix because you still have, you know, depending on who goes down. I mean, if Dozier's still here, he's third base slash outfield. If O'Hearn's still here, he can maybe play some outfield. Um if, if we're talking about Oliveras is still around I don't, I mean so that there's a lot of potential um you know scenarios there it's just uh, we don't know exactly what what that roster is going to look like and then you know somebody's going to be a triple a <laughs> yeah
0: yeah yeah and and of course triple a just means they, they want them to play every day they want that yeah. person to and get four bats every night and um that's what uh, uh, Mike Matheny was telling us on on Sunday after they had to you know, option Oliveris again. Oliveras, look. You know, you can be here and not play, or you can be in Omaha and play. And we need you to play. And it's like he's still a. You know, you know, Oliveras apparently was kind of upset about he had a home run on Saturday, his first home run of the year, and he gets sent down on on Sunday. Look, but but Benintendi was activated, right? You had to make room, and it had to be. It was going to be an outfielder, and he was the he was the logical choice. So. Um, some interesting decisions, I think, for the Royals in the second half. It'll be, um, you know, they'll be an interesting team for that reason. Maybe, maybe a, a topic we'll get to next week or the week after is this year, which has become a lost cause, different than the lost cause years of the, you know, of the hundred lost seasons of, of eighteen and nineteen, or even the, you know, the ramp up years, Dayton's first few years in, in Kansas City. Um, I, I'm kind of interested in that topic. The diff- one of the differences between then and now is they seem to have some, you know, centerpiece type players. in Perez, uh, you can call Whit that all-star level players that they you know, back in the day. In, in, in tribute to All-Star Week that's that's approaching you couldn't find an all-star they had to come up with an all-star and and it was like i guess why not him he's as good as anybody um but they they do have all-stars on, on this team it's just that uh they just can't put it all they just can't put it all together right the hit hitting pitching bullpen starting it's it's just not there um and and we will get to you know a lot of people are talking asking about you know the the futures of mike matheny of dayton moore um Let's end on this with this question. Um, nothing's happening to Mike Matheny, of course, this year. Fahey, you, you know, we know Dayton Moore. He's he's going to he's going to tough this thing out,
1: isn't he? Uh, he spoke on Friday. Yeah, 100. My my uh, notion of it is that, and and Dayton being Dayton, I mean, I'm not sure a lot of general managers make sure they they make themselves available after a, a you know that was a what was it nine nine, game nine games losing streak. yeah, nine games, return home make first sure home you, game. you're there and um, you know there's a lot we don't know about behind the scenes right but I, I I'm of the mind from people I've talked to in the past that there's there's fairly good alignment between Dayton and John Sherman for you know somewhat early in this relationship and I think Dayton laid out a lot a lot of reasons that will be unsatisfying to to some people but you know, if you if you went into the season, um, I think you had a legitimate reason to think Soler and Dozier would be, you know, more productive than they are. Certainly Brad Keller. You it, it, it had, I guess, legitimate hope that Mondesi would be able to, to play. Um, you know, I wonder how different this team looks with those things, just four or five things being a little different. But every team goes through that, right? So they, their depth has been exposed. Um, excuse me. So I... I don't feel like he's in danger, I, 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 don't, I, I get why there's unrest, but I do think um, there's also reasons the season has gone differently than, than might have been expected. Um, and I also don't think that anybody thought, other than me being ridiculously overly optimistic before the season, <laughs> I, was gonna, I, was gonna, I was enjoying the idea that I was going to be able to gloat when I said I thought they were going to win about 84 or 85, and now I'm just you know having to own up. Um, but I, I I just think that uh, it was not really thought this was the year they were going to, you know, win the division, right? And, and that this was going to be another building block year. Problem is, it doesn't feel like much building. I mean, you know, regardless of what you thought this year was, you know, how it was going to connect to the future, there this, this hasn't been anything promising at all.
0: Well, that's a, a, that thought connecting to the future, to me, that's what the second half of the season, yeah. for the most part, is going to be about. So... And uh, your overly optimistic nature serves you well, Vahe. <laughs> it really does. All right. So for Vahe and Lynn, I'm Blair. Beth Welsh was uh, a producer, did a great job. Thank you so much for, uh, uh, for tuning in and for Anne, to Ann, Steve, Doug, Lars. Appreciate all your comments and, and questions. Good stuff. We'll talk to you again next week. Thanks for joining us. That'll do it for today. Thanks to our Sportsbeat KC production staff of Derek Donovan, Beth Welsh, Monty Davis, Jeff Rosen, Chris Fickett, and Savannah Smith, Tip of the Cap to and Vahe Gregorian for stopping by and talking Royals. Links to stories about the Royals can be found in the show notes and, of course, on KansasCity.com. Hey, here's another deal for you. You can subscribe to Sports Pass for 99 cents a month. That's right, 99 pennies a month. Sports Pass is the online version of the Star Sports section, you get all the stories that appear in the print editions of The Star, plus additional stories that appear only on the website. And, of course, they appear first on KansasCity.com. After three months, it auto-renews at $5.99 a month, unless you cancel. And it's a great time to subscribe. Read about what's going on with the Chiefs, the Royals, the colleges, our soccer teams, the Olympics, and more. How do you get it? You go to KansasCity.com slash SportsPass2020. That's KansasCity.com slash sportspass2020. If you want more than just sports coverage, check out the entire Kansas City Star product. Sports news, features, commentary, and analysis, the whole thing. You get all the stories written by my talented colleagues, plus additional national news, sports, and business coverage with the e-edition. The details for all of these deals can be found at account.kansascity.com slash subscribe. And if you're having trouble hunting down any of the offers, you just send me an email bkirkhoff at kcstar.com and I will get you the right place. So whether it's a sports pass or the full subscription, you're getting and supporting the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City and helping us produce programs like Sports B.K.C. Thanks for listening and we'll be back on Wednesday with another episode.